Here we go. You are listening to Law and Gospel Wednesday on this August the 25th in the year of our Lord 2021. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And on Wednesdays, we take a look at various subjects that I think are interesting and that might make application in the Holy Christian Church. I'm going to start off by asking you the following. Let's say you're a pastor in a town that had a tornado. The tornado came on Wednesday. A number of your members were affected by it with their houses somewhat destroyed, etc. So what do you preach on Sunday? You preach on the importance of the virgin birth. Now, do you see something wrong with that? Yes, the virgin birth is very important and it can be part of a sermon, but it's again, part of the confessions of the Lutheran church. It's in the Bible and it is important to believe because you deal with the incarnation of Christ, etc. But you can do a whole sermon on the virgin birth with its many practical applications and never mention about the tornado. That actually happened not that long ago. When 9-11 occurred and the Twin Towers came down, etc., there were actually pastors that on the following Sunday never mentioned it. Can, can you imagine? They had written their sermon on Monday and Tuesday and they let it go. That's why in my particular practice, I rarely finish my sermons until Saturday. And it's not at all unusual that I have changed the topic because of, well, events that have happened in the congregation, in the city, in the country, in the world. The, the worst time that ever happened I was at the Fort Wayne Senior College going through to become a pastor, and we had the Cuban Missile Crisis. So chapel was full the following morning, and the preacher never mentioned the Cuban Missile Crisis. He talked about what he had put together earlier. So... I've always had trouble writing a sermon Monday and Tuesday and sticking to it because by Saturday, events have happened. You've had conversations with people and so forth. Now, why am I talking about this? Because why would we be talking about subjects to certain generations of people if we're answering questions that they are not asking. You know, we have a lot of nuns now in the world. And what I mean by nuns is not N-U-N-S, but N-O-N-E-S. Individuals that have left the church because they disagree with being indoctrinated in the areas of morality, etc., especially Generation Z 
Generation C are teenagers today. And a lot of times they leave the church because they're asking questions that the church isn't answering. That insight came from the Fuller Youth Institute at Fuller Theological Seminary. And according to the Chief of Leadership Formation and Executive Director, Kara Powell, explained that many well-intentioned adults, pastors, parents, often focus on subjects that are not the most pressing questions for these young people. And so what they did at Fuller Seminary, they spent quite a bit of time in interviewing teenagers and reflecting on what are the better Jesus-centered answers we would want young people to lean into and be disciplined toward. And so they asked, what are your most pressing questions? And then they tried to decide how to point them to Jesus' best answers for those questions. Well, the three questions are very interesting. They are intended to serve as a resource for churches and basements uh, and parents and in-depth interviews from 2,200 diverse teenagers. So what were their questions? Uh, According to this study, every teenager is asking, who am I? Number two, where do I fit in? And number three, what difference can I make? Now, these questions were placed into three categories. The first, who am I, is identity. Where do I fit in is belonging. And what difference can I make is purpose. Now, here's where the problem becomes. How are young people basing their identity today? They're basing it on the expectations of others, their friends, their family, sometimes their church, their volleyball team, their basketball teams, their neighbors, etc. In other words, they're often, often figuring out their identity, who they are, based on what others expect of them. Well, the church wants young people to know that they have an identity in a world that constantly tells them they are not enough. The church wants them to know that through faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus makes them more than enough. Now, there's a statement in this fuller thing I disagree with. It says, they can rest 
how they are made in God's image. This seems to be a problem with some evangelical churches that they believe that human beings today, even unbelievers, are made in the image of God. It is true they were created, Adam and Eve, in God's image. But in sin, they lost that image. What was that image? It wasn't that they looked like God. It was that they were justified in God's sight. They were righteous in God's sight. So what does Christianity do? It informs you that through faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus makes you more than enough. They can rest in believing in Jesus because now again they have received the image of God. The the second problem is belonging. How do most people talk about what is good belonging? Good belonging occurs when they feel safe. Statistics show that particularly Generation Z are hungry for safety, and they find that in the form of friends, sometimes family, rarely in churches. And so belonging is something that the church also needs to work on for these young people so that they finally see, boy, belonging to a church is quite the thing. Then the third item is young people say they find purpose. Now, when do they say they find purpose? When they are helping others. Now, that's an answer that is both encouraging, but it also can be concerning. For example, there are young people who are often working so hard to help others that they're ending up being burned out, stressed out, and too busy. If that purposeful service isn't grounded in a theology of the gospel and what it means to be part of God's kingdom, then even a motivation to help will eventually fall short. The single word response to the issue of purpose is story. We think God is writing an incredible story and every young person has a page in God's story. Maybe there are only a paragraph in that story. So the question is, how can we as adults help them continue to write out that page and help them reflect who they are and who God wants them to? to be. In fact, in theology, we talk about the three uses of the law. And the first use is for the government to curb violence. The second use is to show the need for a savior in accusing you of sin. But that third use is what we refer to as a guide or a rule. What does God want me to do in a particular situation? And the third use of the law helps 
quite a bit. Here's how you are part of God's story. So, if you take a look at the young people's current answers to those three areas of identity, belonging, and purpose, you could say that there's no doubt that they are good answers at times. But can they be strengthened if we really understood Jesus as answers to those questions? So, what's the encouragement of this study? That parents, adults, and church leaders spend time listening and empathizing with young people to try to understand in the midst of these big questions, what are the sub-questions that young people are wondering about? I believe it was recently on the coffee hour that they were talking about how young people can be brought back into the church and that is that other adults in the church could perhaps ask a young person, a teenager, would you be willing to go out and eat with me one day? I'd be glad to take you to McDonald's or wherever you would like because I have some questions to ask you. And then here is an adult in the congregation asking these teenagers to eat with them And the purpose is to find out what are the sub-questions that young people are wondering about. Therefore, what are the ways that young people are not only wondering about things, but how do they answer these questions? Now, these questions are particularly pressing for Generation Z. Because today's teens represent the most anxious, diverse, and adapted generation in history. For example, you can't talk to young people without asking about their challenges with mental health, almost all of which have gotten more troubling during the virus. This is a generation struggling with anxiety, depression, and even suicide. It's kind of interesting when in my medical questioning that doctors or nurses ask me, say prior to a surgery, they would ask the question, do you ever have feelings of suicide? Now, the way I respond, I say, I'm sorry, I'm a pastor. And therefore, I would not want suicide at all because I don't want to go to hell. And they kind of laugh at that. But I make the point that suicide is not an option for me. But that is an option for a lot of teenagers because they are anxious about life. They're not finding answers that really help them. And so talking about mental life is very important. Now, there is a positive side to these teenagers. 
They're adaptive and creative. This is a generation that are trying to figure out how they can help the world because that's one of the questions they have. They have a lot of urgency, are very resilient. That's sometimes because of the adult support they received, but at other times because of the lack of adult support that they have received. So today's young people are almost inundated with social media like never before. And social media impacts their sense of identity, belonging, and purpose, sometimes in positive, but oftentimes in negative ways. For example, how many times have you heard that somebody is really not happy with what other people are talking about them on social media? And that's because when people write on social media, they are not facing the person. They are not talking with them personally. And therefore, they can write things that are strongly against what they believe that person is and believes. So, if you take a look at identity, there can be really positive things about a young person on social media trying to figure out who they are. Small doses of social media are acceptable. The problem is that for young people, it's not often moderate social media, but large doses of it. And they cannot, therefore, counteract the negatives that they find on social media. That's where Jesus comes in. Because it doesn't really matter who you are. Jesus not only loves you so much, he once more has declared you to be righteous in his sight. Social media not only impacts identity, but also belonging. For also, it can create insecurity and feelings of abandonment in young people. Then you get purpose. Many young people are using social media to be involved in positive things like service and justice. But apart from Christ, there's a danger that simply adding a hashtag like justice to a social media problem gives a teen the sense that they are involved in substantive work when that's not always the case. Yes, technology can be a gift in helping young people to develop identity, belonging, and purpose, but it can also point them to false answers. So, what do we do with these youth who are tending to become nuns? 
Well, we really need young people to help shape the future of the church. We need this generation of young people to help us see ways to love Jesus. Adults need to link arms with the next generation to do so. Uh, A vision of the church that puts all the weight on young people's shoulders is flawed. But also a vision of the church that has young people on the sidelines and the weight on adults' shoulders is also flawed. As one said, my vision for the church is that my 18-year-old is building relationships with a 48-year-old and a 68-year-old in the church. And together they're showing all of us new ways to love Jesus and love our neighbors as ourselves. Now, there have been a number of responses to this article of people indicating what they like about it, maybe what they don't like. The one says, it's hard to manifest unconditional love in an environment where the ultimate goal of the process is to arrive at a predetermined answer. It would take a very strong soul not to award more love to a young person who embraced the doctrines of your church than the one who rejected them. In this instance, of course, the desired correct answer is to have Jesus as your savior. In practice, unconditional love, and this is really important for parents, requires being able to honestly say, I pray that you will believe in Jesus Christ as your savior but I will love you just the same, no matter what you choose. My love is not dependent on your agreeing with me. Talking about unconditional love is very easy to do, but in most institutions, Christian love is in fact highly conditional. And that's why churches are struggling to make contact with young people. Young people are attuned to authenticity. They can feel a false claim of unconditional love when they see one. Faking unconditional love won't work. Don't pretend to offer unconditional love if you can't actually deliver it. Now, where have I had that experience? It's specifically in classes of confirmation. And not only with young people and teenagers, but even with adults. You will have a class of confirmation. They have not yet agreed to become Lutheran. They may not even understand what Lutheranism is. 
but they give many wrong answers. You don't put them down because you are learning from them what their answers are to reality. And it is your task as a parent, a pastor, or a friend to help put Jesus into their lives. Sadly, we know there are many who go off to college and fall away from faith uh, if they ever even had it in the first place. I continue to love them, never approving of their choices, but always loving them in hope that love will draw them back when they see the folly of their sinful choices. I also tell them that I want them to question things so that they can be fully convinced, not just indoctrinated. Now, there's no doubt some are never convinced, but the job of the adult is to plant the seeds and set an example. It is the Holy Spirit's job not only to convict them of sin, but to convince them of Christ's righteousness. So one article was, or letter, interesting. I would, however, the letter writer says, Michael, modify the three questions. Where did I come from before my existence here on earth? Why am I here on earth? And where will I go after I die? The correct answers to these questions, therefore, permit young people to understand the role of Jesus Christ as the central part of a loving Heavenly Father's plan. So, the purpose of today is to find out what are the questions that people are asking that they feel are not being answered by the church. Because there is no question that the church cannot answer in light of Jesus Christ. I'm Tom Baker. Thanks for listening to this. I hope it will be helpful to you in your conversation. On tomorrow's Law Gospel, we'll be talking with Wes Reimnitz. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.